Judges 16 tonight. We've been going on through Samson now for a while, and we're going to see even more tonight. Does anyone need an outline at the back of the prayer list? If you need an outline, if you slip your hand up, anybody? No one? So either people have them, John, or they don't want them. It's one or the other. So we won't find out tonight. Something happened with the slides, so there are no slides tonight. So you're going to have to listen for the points and get them right at the right time. I'll take one of those so I make sure emphasize things because i had a few people there like on sunday the word wasn't underlined on the screen that was just to see if you're paying attention that's all that was and it was good to see some of you pay attention that's a good thing and so actually it was my computers don't you love computers i um went through and saved my notes for jay and then i sent him a copy after i'd added the scripture verses and all the underlines and then the copy that he got was the copy before all that was done. So he didn't have the right copy. So I was going to blame Jay for all of it, but it was really the computer's fault or my fault, someone's fault in there, and we'll just leave it at that. We've been talking about Samson now for a while. And Samson, we look over and over again in his life, and we see a man that had so much potential for God. And we see him mess with sin, toy with sin, and we see all these things. He had so much potential, could do so much good. But we see what he made of his life. And tonight we're getting towards the end of Samson's life. And we're here in chapter number 16. I want you to go down with me to verse number 4. And it says, so if you remember, last week we looked at the passage of Scripture where Samson found himself a harlot of the Philistines and went in unto her. And while he was there, the Philistines surrounded the place to take him captive. And he goes and carries the gates of the city 38 miles uphill and leaves the gates of the city in Hebron. Why he would go 38 miles with the gates of the city, I do not know. To me, wouldn't it be more effective just to grab the gates and boom, throw them down and walk out? That would be more effective to me. No, he carries the gates 38 miles. And why he does that, uphill at that. I'd have enough problem going 38 miles anywhere. But anyways, here we go. Except if I use my truck, then I can put the gates in the back and it'll all be fine. Verse number four, we see, and it came to pass afterward that he loved a woman. We see another woman, another problem here, in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and said unto her, Entice him, and see wherein his great strength lieth, and by what means we may prevail against him, that we may bind him to afflict him. And we will give thee, every one of us, 1,100 pieces of silver. And Delilah said to Samson, Tell me, I pray thee, wherein thy great strength lieth, and wherewith thou mightest be bound to afflict thee. And Samson said unto her, If thou bind me with seven green wisps that were never dried. Now I'm going to tell you, anybody know what the seven green wisps are? I'm going to tell you in a few minutes what those are. You have no clue what those even are. Does anybody know? It has something to do with um, animal intestines that are dried out that were used to bind someone. So that's kind of interesting, huh? Not really, but here we go. So we keep on reading. So he says, if you bind me with the seven green wisps that were never dried, then shall I be weak and be as another man. And the lords of the Philistines brought up her seven green wisps, which had not been dried, and she bound him with them. Was well, Isn't Delilah a nice lady here? Yeah, she's real nice. She wanted the money. And we keep on reading. It says, Now there were men lying in wait, abiding with her in the chamber. And she said unto him, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And they break the wisps, and the thread of tow is broken when it is touched in the fire. So his strength was not known. And Delilah said unto Samson, Behold, thou hast mocked me and told me lies. 
Tell me now, now how Samson doesn't figure out what's going on here, I don't, men can just be dumb sometimes, can't they? I agree, men can be dumb, and this is a dumb moment for Samson. So we see, and she says, Behold, thou hast mocked me and told me lies. Now tell me, I pray thee, wherewith thou mightest be bound. And he said unto her, If they bind me fast with new ropes that have never were occupied, then shall I be weak and be as another man. Delilah therefore took new ropes and bound him therewith, and said unto him, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And there were liars in wait, abiding in the chambers, and he brake them off his arms like a thread. And Delilah said unto Samson, Here too thou hast mocked me and told me lies. Tell me wherewith thou mightest be bound. And he said unto her, If thou weavest the seven locks on my head with the web, and she fastened it with the pin, and said unto him, The Philistines be upon thee. Do you see how this just keeps happening? But do you notice as Samson, the more he lies, the closer he gets to the truth of what, where his strength lies? So we see, and it says, and it says, the Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awake out of his sleep and went away with the pin of the beam and with the web. And she said unto him, How canst thou say I love thee when thine heart is not with me? Thou hast mocked me these three times and hast not told me wherein thy great strength lieth. And it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death. So she was nagging him. That's what the Hebrew says there. It says, Then he told her all his heart, and said unto her, There hath not come a razor upon mine head, for I have been a Nazarene to God from my mother's womb. If I be shaven, then my strength will go from me, and I will become weak and be like any other man. When Delilah saw that he told her all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up this once, for he hath showed me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and brought money in their hands, and she made him sleep on her knees, and she called for a man, and she caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head, and she began to afflict him, and his strength went from him. And she said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. One of the saddest passages and verses, I believe, in the book of Judges and about a man is this little phrase right here. It says, and he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. He didn't even, he couldn't even tell the Lord wasn't there with him. It says, but the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with fetters of brass and he did grind in the prison house. A man with so much strength, so much potential for the Lord and we see this befall him. For a little bit of time tonight, I'm going to talk about the stories of Samson and Delilah and tell you some facts and some things about them tonight and watch how sin when we mess with sin the consequences of sin is tragic and we're going to see that tonight father bless the next few minutes that we have here tonight together we need you and i pray this this evening as we look at this passage of scripture as we dive into some things i pray that you'd help us tonight and give us some things in this passage and help us as we study it tonight we love you and thank you for your love for us in jesus name i pray amen we see this story, we see three things. We see this story is one of love, one of lies, and one of loss. As we dive in tonight, we're going to see several things, but what I want you to remember something is there's pleasure in sin for a season. But be not deceived, God's not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. As we dive in tonight, number one, there's the story of love. 
There's a story of love, verse 4 and 5 there we see as we begin here tonight that he loved this woman. He loved Delilah, the Bible tells us here. So we see there's a story of love, letter A, we see that Samson loved a woman. We see that right here. He loved a woman, it says, and over the course of his life, there are three women you see that were a problem in Samson's life. The woman at Timnath in chapter number 14. You see the harlot, the first three verses of this chapter. And then you see Delilah right here, the rest of chapter number 16. And there may have been others, but those are the three that the Bible mentions to us. From our text, and as we study and look at these women, all three of them were Philistine women. We see that Samson was attracted to women he should have had no business being around. The Philistines and the children of God, the children of Israel, should not have been mixing together. It's one of the things that God had said and that God was important to God. And as being a Nazarite and being a judge of Israel, or as Samson being a man of God in this passage of Scripture, he had no business being with a Philistine woman. There can be, as we look at these things, no doubt that this was sin in his life. Lust was a big problem for Samson, and it hindered his ministry as a judge in Israel. And let me just remind you of something tonight as we dive into the message. The same is true for us today. The Lord gave us, and as I say these things, I'm not embarrassed as I say these things, and they need to be talked about. God gave us the sexual desires that we have inside of us. And they're good when they're exercised in marriage and in marriage alone. That's how God planned it. God designed those to be done in marriage But when we step outside the boundaries of marriage and we get involved in things that a person has no business being involved in, it causes a lot of conflict, causes a lot of pain, causes a lot of suffering. And it crosses a line and it's sin. God wants his people to be sexually pure. That's Bible. The Bible is very clear. Flee fornication. Every man, every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. Matthew 5, 27, 28 says, Ye have heard it, how it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse number 3 through 8, it says at the beginning, it says, For this is the will of God. This is God's will for his people. Are you ready? Even your sanctification that you should abstain, the very first thing, abstain from fornication. Now, as we see here in this text, we're told that Samson loved this lady Delilah. But I want you to understand something. This was not his wife. He was not married to Delilah. Nowhere does the Bible tell us they were married. We see sin in Samson's life right here. We see that Delilah had seemed to touch his heart, whatever it was, but he trusted her more than he trusted others. And the fact is, that Samson, just because he loved her, doesn't mean that that excused the sin in his life. Samson's sin and Samson in his life here, he was guilty of fornication. And sadly, let me just say today, there is a lack of morality in our world today. And even among those who call themselves Christians, where it's okay for us to do these things. You know, you go back to the 1940s, 1950s, 1960s. Someone was pregnant outside of being married, and it was a shameful thing. Look at today. Look at our world today. Look at all those that lived together before marriage. That's not God's design. That's not how God wants it to be, and it's wrong. And this is the thing. We don't hear many pastors get up behind a pulpit and say that fornication is wrong. But it's wrong. 
Adultery, it's sin in God's eyes. And in churches, we love it when we talk about the sin of homosexuality or things like that. But when we start talking about things that we do, we don't want to talk about that as much. But it needs to be mentioned, it's important. And I want you to understand something. Be careful what you do. Young people in the room tonight, you keep yourself pure. You do what's right. You live for God. You flee fornication. Stay clear of it. You can wait till you're married to enjoy the benefits of marriage. You're looking at someone here tonight that did. My first kiss was at the wedding altar. There was no other kiss before that. Say, did you want to kiss her? Duh. Duh. Yeah. You know, but there were things that we put in place. I'll tell you this. You don't ever kiss. You'll never go any further. We didn't, the first time we ever rode alone in the, in the car together was the day before we got married. Say, so that's kind of weird. It kept you from doing things you shouldn't do. You say, do you not trust yourself? No, I didn't. I didn't trust myself. Not at all. Do you see how beautiful she is? Of course, no one's around. I probably would have kissed her. I couldn't do that to myself. It would have been too much of an enticement. But we see these things in young people. You can do what's right. You can keep yourselves pure. Married couples, be faithful to your spouse mentally as well as physically. We see that Samson loved a woman, let her be. We see that Delilah didn't love him. Delilah loved wealth. Well, Samson loved Delilah, she wasn't, she could, she probably liked him. Probably a nice guy and all these different things, but they offered her 1,100 pieces of silver each to discover the secret to his power. They, the word here, it says in verse number five, they wanted her to entice him. The word entice means to be simple or to be gullible. It's the idea of acting like an innocent person in order to deceive someone else. And that's, she did a very good job of deceiving Samson. You know, think about this. If they were, if this happened, they were willing to give her 1,100 pieces of silver each. You add that up in today's money and Bible times and money today, they were willing to give her about $750,000 to find out the secret of Samson's strength. That's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. She was willing to do it. She didn't care about Samson. She used him to get rich. He was her lottery ticket, her golden goose. And all she had to do was play the part to get the reward. And what a picture that is of the way that of sin this woman turns out to be. She represents how Satan wants to work in our lives. You see, the Lord doesn't want us falling into traps laid by modern-day Delilahs and by the devil. That's why the Bible tells us that there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. The Bible tells us, but God is faithful. And aren't you glad that God's faithful tonight? I'm glad he's faithful tonight. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also may awake of escape, that you may be able to bear it. We see their stories, a story of love. Number two, we see their stories, a story of lies. We read verse 6 through verse number 14, and we see how she says, Samson, tell me how you get your strength. And Samson says, well, this is how it comes. And he was lying to her. And then we see the lies continue on. When we think about this, Samson's lies, letter A, they were senseless. I think that Samson did not give Delilah the credit for being as smart as she was. The name Delilah means feeble. That's her name. That's what it literally means. I think he thinks he's toying with her, having fun with her. And to have her try, but this is the thing, 
she figured things out. You think about some of the things that are said here, verse number seven. It says, bind me with seven green wisps. And as I mentioned, that's animal intestines that have not been dried. These strips of animal intestines were dried, and they were used to make bowstrings. And when they were dry, they were incredibly strong. When they were green, they were really weak, and they really wouldn't do much. But you see, that's what he said, and that's what they tried to do. The second one that you see is bind me with new ropes. And green ropes are very strong. The average man could not break a green rope. But do you remember something? Anybody do you remember another time when Samson was tied up with a green with new ropes? Anybody remember that? I know I shouldn't ask you if you remember anything that we study and go over, should I? So we talked about a few weeks ago. Remember how the tribe of Judah went up and took Samson and brought him to the Philistines? They tied him with new ropes. And he broke out of them then. So how are these going to not work now? But we see that, once again, he just is going along and playing her as, you know, in these different things. And then we see in verse 13 and 14, we see, he says, weave the seven locks of my head with the web. And he tells her to take a loom and to weave his hair into it. And he says that I'll lose my strength. But do you notice how he was getting closer and closer to the real, the real issue? The real thing where he'd lose his strength was if his hair was cut. But you see, he was getting close to it. And what we see from this passage is the fact that Samson was guilty of playing with sin. He knew the source of his strength, and he entered into a deadly game with Delilah. And by the time he gets to his third deception, he's very close about telling her the truth. The problem with sin is, are you ready? People play with it. People play with sin. They go as far as they can. You have a line and you think because you don't cross that line that you're, you, can, you can flirt with it. You can mess with it a little bit. Adam and Eve in the garden. Eve should not have been hanging around the serpent. When someone is questioning what God's motives are and what God's words are, that's not somewhere you want to be. And when you flirt close to the line, you normally get yourself in trouble and cross that line. You know it. You got that kid in your family that likes to, you have rules in your home, and they're the one that goes right to that line. They're not crossing it, but they flirt off close with that line. I've got two kids in my house that are like that. I wasn't that way for my parents in no way. Maybe Caroline was, I don't know. But in our Christian school, you have a rule book. Isn't it amazing how close they, some of them tiptoe just to the line? And I can get away with this. You didn't say I couldn't do this. Don't mess with sin. Don't flirt with sin. Don't play with sin. Jesus made it very clear that sin in the heart is sin already. Even if it's not carried out. We talked about those verses earlier. When you take your Bibles with me to Romans chapter number 6. Hold your place here in Judges because we'll be back here. Go to Romans chapter number 6. Romans chapter 6. I think I said on Sunday these would be great verses for every Christian to memorize. I think I'm going to say it again this Wednesday night. These would be great verses for Christians to memorize. Romans 6, look down at verse number 11. Look what the Bible says. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through, the, through Jesus Christ our Lord, let not sin, look what it says here, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Don't give sin a place to work. 
You're supposed to be as we are. We should be dead to sin, alive to Christ. But this is what happens a lot of times. We as Christians, we like to play with sin. And we get thinking about it. And we'll go to James chapter number 1 in a minute and tie this more together. But we mess with sin. We mess with it. And as we mess with it, the Bible says don't do that. Don't let sin reign in your mortal body. Keep on reading there. Verse number 13, it says, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under the law, but under grace. Sin should not rule in our lives. We have been given victory through Jesus Christ, each and every one of us. A lot of times, instead of reckoning ourselves dead to sin, we welcome sin in, and we see it here in the life of Samson. The Bible has a lot to say. Go with me to James chapter number 1. James chapter number 1. This is a Bible study. You're like, why aren't the verses on the screen? It makes it so much easier for me. Sometimes you, you still got to be able to use your Bibles. That's good. Some people use their iPads, and I like to use my iPad for my Bible, but you just don't, and there it gets so easy, you can just hit a button and you're at each passage and everything. It's good to know your Bible, good to be able to use a Bible. And uh, James 1, verse 14 and 15, look what it says here. It says, go back up one verse, we'll go up to verse 13. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But look at verse number 14. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lusts and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. The word there, do you see how it says, but every man is tempted when he's drawn away? The, the word drawn away means to lure, like a game is lured from its hiding place. In Montana, I tried to do some hunting. Tried. I got some good exercise through the hills, and I carried a gun through the hills. That's about all that happened, and I could barely walk when I was done because you're climbing up and down all these hills. Now you look and you think of hunting, and you see all these people. They sit in their tree stand. They're watching their TV. They're just relaxing. Sun comes by. They take care of business, and they're done. That's not how it worked in Montana. You walk around everywhere, and uh, and you would try to, there were certain things. You could put some bait out, certain things. And this is what it says here is that's what it's like to lure by bait. How many of you like to fish? A few of you like to fish in the room? And uh, I've only fished a couple times in my life. I'm a California boy, we didn't do all that good stuff. I've done it one time, and I enjoyed it. Haven't been back. I'm, I wasn't a big fan of putting that bait on the hook. That was just me, you know. I need gloves on my hands before I touch that stuff. I know that sounds bad, but yeah, it's who likes that smelly stuff? Anyways, but you, uh, why do you put a bait on the hook? Because that fish wants what's on that hook. And if you get just the right moment, that fish is, that fish can go for the bait. You get the fish, you got them hooked in. That's what sin is like. And when we bite, he springs a trap, and we find ourselves ensnared in its web. You got your Bibles there in James. Go back to Mark chapter number Seven, Mark chapter number seven. <clears throat> Mark seven, look down at verse number twenty-one. Look at what it says here. For from within, out of the heart of man, proceedeth evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, 
wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these things come from within and defile the man. They come from within. You know, like today we look in our world and just again today, some, I heard that in Pennsylvania some officers were killed today. And you hear of all these shootings and things. And wherever you stand on all that stuff, you can stand wherever you want to. That's not my point in saying this. I've never seen a gun go and shoot someone by itself. Never. I've got a couple of them, and they've never, the only time they've ever gone off is when I've pulled the trigger at a target place or whatever I've been for myself. Never once has a gun killed anybody by itself. And we see right here for within, murder. To be able to take a gun and shoot someone in cold blood, it's the wickedness within. Our issue today in our world, in America today, and they can pass all the gun laws they want to. They can pass all they want. It will not fix one problem. Because there was a guy who took knives just this last week up in, you know, where are we going to do? No more steak knives. If you're going to eat your meat, no more knives. You can't use a knife. You know, and uh, how about all the people that die from uh, drinking alcohol and getting in a car and killing people? It's more than the shootings are. So let's take all the alcohol away. Whoo, no, let's not go down that road. That's not popular to say, but that's true. The problem is the heart. That's the problem. It's the wickedness within. That's our problem today. And you can have all these things in place. It's not going to change anything. I lived near Chicago for four years. One of the strictest gun laws in the country. It's amazing. The bad people still had the guns. The ones they weren't supposed to have. And then the good people didn't have the guns they weren't supposed to have. And look at how that worked out. Not very good. The problem's inside. I think we see that's pretty clear here. Anybody ever before hear of Paul Harvey, radio personality? Told the story of how an Eskimo kills a wolf. It's kind of a grisly story, and yet it offers some fresh insight to the self-destructive nature of sin in us. First, this way he said, first the Eskimo coats his knife blade with animal blood and allows it to freeze. Then he adds another layer of blood and another until the blade is completely concealed by frozen blood. Next, the hunter fixes his knife in the ground with the blade up. When a wolf follows his sensitive nose to the source of the scent and discovers the bait, he licks it, tasting the fresh frozen blood. He begins to lick faster, more and more vigorously, lapping the blade until the keen edge is bare. Feverishly, now harder and harder, the wolf licks the blade in the Arctic night. So great becomes his craving for blood that the wolf does not notice the razor-sharp sting of the naked blade on his own tongue, nor does he realize the instant at which, it's, um, which his thirst is being satisfied by his own warm blood. His carnivorous appetite just craves more until the dawn finds him dead in the snow. And it's a fearful thing that we can be consumed by our own lusts, as the Bible says. And only God's grace keeps us from the wolf's fate. Instead of playing with sin, we need to be like Joseph. And when 
Potiphar's wife gave him an opportunity. The Bible says he ran. He got away from it. That's why the Bible says to flee. When it talks about flee fornication, it's talking about exactly what he did there. And I know that would have been adultery, but the act is he fled. The Bible talks about casting down imaginations. Just get, avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it, pass away, have nothing to do with it. Don't mess with sin, don't play with it. We think we can control it in reality. It is controlling us. And how many young people do I see that grow up in a good church, go to a good Christian school, and they turn 18 years old and all of a sudden think that, oh, I've been missing out, and they go mess with sin? Young people, you don't need to go mess with sin. You do what's right. Sin only has casualties. Sin ruins Samson's life. Think of all Samson could have done for God that he wasted we see, and I, I went off on all those things. I forget where we are in our notes. That's why it's good to have the screen sometimes because it helps me. And we're at 717, and we're not even through point number two. So, so letter A, Samson's lies were senseless. Letter B, we see that Delilah's lies were sinister. Well, Samson was toying with Delilah, she was playing him like a cheap fiddle. She was setting him up for a fall. She lied to him because she was smarter than he was. Yeah, Delilah was, Delilah was smarter than Samson. She played her part well. She got Samson into the trap and he took it. You know, she, and that's how sin is. If we give sin place in our life, and that's what happens, and you know it's true. You know, we can all be in here tonight. We are all sinners. You, you know how sin works. And when you're sinning and when you're in it, there's just that temptation for more and for more and for more. And we see here that Delilah is nagging him and nagging him and nagging him, trying to figure out this answer. If you really love me, you would tell me. If you love me, you'll do this. Playing with sin is like playing with fire. And let me just help you tonight. Don't play with fire. When you look at one more passage of Scripture tonight, go to Proverbs chapter number 6. Proverbs chapter number 6. <clears throat> Proverbs chapter number 6 and go down to verse number 27 and 28. Actually, if you want to see all of it, go up a few verses. Go up to verse number 20. The book of Proverbs is such an excellent book and gives wisdom. I would encourage every Christian every day to read the proverb of the day. So today, as we see the date today, and what was the date today? My mind's blank. It's the 14th. Every wise woman builds her house, house I read this morning. Whatever day it is, read that proverb of the day. Always read the book of Proverbs. Every day, just read the proverb of the day. This Solomon, under inspiration of God, so you got one of the wisest men that ever lived, and you got the wisest being of all time in God can't go wrong with studying the book of Proverbs. Look what it says in verse number 20. My son, keep my father's commandments and forsake not the law of thy mother. Bind them continually on thine heart and tie them about thy neck. When thou goest, it shall lead thee. When thou sleepest, it shall keep thee. And when thou awakest, it shall talk with thee. For the commandment is a lamp and the law is light. And the reproves of instruction are the way of life. 
Well, what are these things for? Look what it says. To keep thee from the evil woman, from the flattery of the tongue of a strange woman. Lust not after her beauty in thine heart, neither let her take thee with her eyelids. For by means of a whorish woman, a man is brought to a piece of bread, and the adulteress will hunt for a precious life. Look what it says in verse 27. Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can one go upon hot coals and his feet not be burned? Playing with sin is like playing with fire. Let me just say this. Look, 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 can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? No. Can one go upon hot coals and his feet not be burned? No. It will get you. You play with sin, you will pay the price. You might not face the same thing as Samson did, but Samson didn't face all these things at once either. Do you notice with Samson, he does wrong, and then God a few times helped him out, and he gets right, and it goes back and forth, and then finally, this time with Delilah, God's like, I'm done. God decides when he's done. And God might let someone get away. You might be saying in your eyes, God's letting them get away with things in their life. You don't know what God's doing. And it's not your place to judge God and how he does something because God is the only righteous judge and he's all justice and all judgment and he knows the best. Sin will catch up with you. And though you might not see it, it will take effect. And Samson, it seems like for a long time, he got away with violating his Nazarite vow over and over and over and over again. And then God would help him here. And God would help him here. Why would God do that? That's not your place to try and judge. That's God's job to take care of. We see that time ran out on it here. Ladies and gentlemen, Satan will not stop until he's ruined your life. You know, the worst part, and we're going to stop there. We're going to have to finish the rest up next week. So you can save your papers for next week for point three. What you've got to understand is, not only did Samson lose a lot here, but the enemies of God were able to blaspheme God because of Samson and what he did. And as we sin the things that we do, we just give the enemies of God a reason and occasion to mock God. Let me just say as we close here tonight, God has been far too good to us for us to give him a bad name by the things that we do. Don't mess with sin. Avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it, pass away. Say, oh, but pastor, I'm not hurting anybody. I, I'm okay. Be sure your sin will find you out. Don't mess with sin. Young people in the room, you listen to my words and you listen to me good. Don't mess with sin. You watch what you put on your Instagram accounts. You'd be in my office today and deal with something I'm dealing with tonight. It's where I was before service, and I'm going to be dealing with it again later. All because a kid thinks they can get away with private things that no one else sees. We can use, and nowadays young people use Snapchat. You know, the nice thing about Snapchat is, within 24 hours, everything erases itself. There's no pictures that stay. There's no proof of what you do. What a great thing for parents to let their kids use Snapchat. What a great thing. My kids will never have Snapchat. When they're 18, they can pick and choose what they want to do, and that's up to them then. But as long as they're in my house, and if I'm paying their cell phone bill, they won't have Snapchat after they're 18. We'll see if I'm paying their bill or not. We'll see what happens there. Hopefully they got a good job and they're paying for my cell phone. And then they can tell me what I'm allowed to do and what I'm not allowed. No, I'm just teasing. 
But sin always catches up with you. God sees it all. And sometimes we think, no one's seeing it. I can get away with it. We're so dumb. Because he sees all of it. He sees every little bit. And your sin will be brought to light. Get right with God. Live for him. Do your best. You're going to mess up. You're going to give in to temptation. You're going to sin. But when you do, get back up and keep going for God. And the Bible talks about the Bible talks about that God doesn't like it when we hide our sin. But if we confess it and forsake it, he'll bless us. Don't hide it. Do what's right. Father, I love you and I thank you for the time we've had tonight. Thank you for the last few minutes that we have here together and thank you for your word and help us learn from Samson to be smart in the things that we do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We normally take the last